I'd like to welcome you to today's Stats and Short Stories episode. Stats and Short Stories is a partnership between Miami University and the American Statistical Association. Today's guest is Mona Chalabi, who is a data editor from The Guardian USA. I'm John Baylor. I'm chair of the Department of Statistics at Miami University, and I'm joined by my colleague, Richard Campbell, professor in the Department of Media, Journalism, and Film. We are delighted to be speaking with Mona on our short episode today. Well, welcome, Mona. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's a delight. Just a true delight. Uh, you know, the question I have for you is, you know, we, we want to be able to spot fake news. So, you know, we, we know that you have a nose for this. So what kind of advice might you give, give us and, our, and our, our listeners for how do you detect fake news? Well, unfortunately, the very first bit of advice is to be patient because I think sometimes it can take a little while and it's definitely <laughs> worth doing, but it could take some time. Um, so it's basically about pursuing lots of, lots of um, leads that are kind of buried in the story. Um, so let's say, for example, that um, the news piece has mentioned that it took their data from the US Census Bureau. One of my first questions I'll ask is, what date did they use? Are they definitely using the most recent data available? So I try to go back to the original source and see if the numbers or the information checks out. Um, if it's not a, a government organization like the Census Bureau, let's say it's been collected by a polling company, um, I have a few kind of basic questions that I ask of any polling data. So I want to find out how many people are included in the survey. As you are well aware, uh, a thousand is kind of used as, as a sort of benchmark and I would argue somewhat arbitrary benchmark sometimes. Um, so, you, you know, if the poll used 30 people and claims that it's a national poll of all US citizens, you can immediately kind of discredit that because 30 people is not enough to understand uh, this population by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and then for polling companies as well, it's really important to find out who, who that polling company is, who backs them, are they affiliated with any political party? Um, for example, there was a poll uh, which I actually mentioned in, um, in my TED talk, but I didn't mention where exactly it had come from. Um, it was a poll that was trying to measure attitudes of US Muslims. The poll found that, um, that well, to be specific, one question in the poll found that um, some of the respondents said that they backed the idea of jihad. What wasn't reported is that a later question in the poll also asked people how they defined jihad, and um, many of the respondents defined it as kind of peaceful, um, a peaceful personal struggle. Um, but also that polling company um, was, I actually forget the exact name of it, I want to say Women Trend, um, and it was a polling company that was set up by a woman called Kellyanne Conway, who is now an advisor to President Trump, um, who might have had some interest in you know, the results being a certain way. Yes. Um, I, I realize I've been going on for quite a while. Should, no, I, should no, I keep no. going? No, no, please. Do you have, so, okay. so what else, what, what other guidance would you give us? Um, well, I mentioned the number of respondents in a survey, but that in itself isn't enough. And this is something that, again, we saw during, um, during the U.S. election, right? So this part of the problem with polling increasingly now is that the U.S. population has become more and more diverse. And as the population has become more diverse, it's difficult to get an accurate representation of, of opinion of everyone in this country. And so polling companies will use something called waiting to try to adjust for that. So speaking very, very crudely, let's say that 10% um, of the US population is black, only 5% of people in the poll were black, um, the poll will, will adjust their responses to make it look as if 10% of the respondents were black. 
That's a very, very simplistic yeah. explanation. Um, now, in some cases, you can kind of say fair enough. Apart from every single poll should publish their, their raw numbers of respondents, right? So how many people in the poll were male, female, different age groups, mm -hmm. different races and ethnicities? And if you see that any of those numbers are incredibly low, that's kind of a bit of a warning sign, right? If, if you see in the top line of the poll that, I don't know, 60% of women think this, and when you dig into it, there were only three female respondents. You've got to ask yourself, would you ask just three of your female friends to understand what every woman uh, around you thinks about something? I think people instinctively understand that is not going to get you anywhere near an accurate uh, answer. And often, honestly, the number is not going to be three. I'm kind of exaggerating some of this which is difficult as well because how do you figure out what is and is not a kind of a sufficient threshold um, but again it's I, I think actually following your instincts I think people have quite a healthy cynicism right it, again if it was just three out of a 100 people is that going to be enough to get you accurate numbers I think it's safe to say no so a lot of times what you're dealing with, I think, with the general public audience and these kinds of things is that you have politicians out there who will praise good poll numbers and yeah. downgrade. And, so, and, and often it's like if the numbers are going up, they, that must be a good poll. And if the numbers are going down, that must be a bad poll. And in fact, the general public often say, you know, if they politically agree with one candidate or the other, that comes to be their view that this this must be a bad poll because the numbers are going down. Yeah. So how do you even how do you even get past that where people have a stake in this that's emotional and it's you know, this is this is this is politics. Well honestly I think I think that polls just need to play a smaller role in our public discourse anyway. I, I just mm. really, really don't see them as particularly healthy for democracy. Um, partly because I think public policy shouldn't be about um, necessarily purely based on public opinion. I think sometimes it should be based on public need. Mm -hmm. And accurately measuring public need is the job of government, federal statistical agencies. It's not the job of pollsters. Um, so I would also say that not only have polls undermined democracy in that respect, but I also think that part of the reason why the public, um, the public relationship with statistics in general has shifted is because people haven't necessarily been able to separate out things like, I don't know, 40% of Americans support Obamacare and statistics on insurance rates. Those are two completely different sets of knowledge. They're two completely different sets of numbers. And the way that they are collected, there's no resemblance whatsoever to one another. One set of numbers will be collected by a polling agency, which at best might speak to a couple thousand people. And the other set of numbers is collected by a federal agency that, and government statisticians that, for not a huge amount of work, uh, work their butts off in a non-partisan mm -hmm. way to collect accurate numbers on these things. Very good. It's been our distinct pleasure to have Mona Chalabi join us on Stats and Short Stories. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Department of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. Stay tuned and keep following us on Twitter or iTunes. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu and be sure to listen for future episodes. Mm -hmm.